Miles, I have to talk to you about something. Something astronomical, literally and figuratively, and that is comet awareness. You must be aware of all comets at all times. We're talking about your name. Hello, Miles. How are you? Welcome back to the more you nerd as we wrap up our coverage of this 2021's anime with the film Your Name, the 2016 film by Makoto Shinkai about two characters who end up swapping bodies and going on adventures. And that really dumbs it down to the lowest possible denominator. But we'll get to that. How are you, buddy? I'm, I'm honestly I'm a little bummed. Because I've had such a good time this anime. I think that all the movies we've watched have been fantastic. And I I feel like the, these films especially, they kind of, I don't want to say prove anime, but there, there is a stigma that anime has a specific style, a specific type of film. And I feel like all four films we watched were not just great anime films, but great films. They were genuine films. Yeah, And I think that a lot of people and this is kind of why I wanted to do this specific challenge. I think a lot of people don't always take the subject of anime seriously because of maybe some perception of seeing some tsunami ads or just not really being educated on the breadth of what anime is and can be. It's, and it's easy to see anime as Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon and robots and Naruto and stuff like that, or even full metal. and. So that that's one thing that I really wanted to to do, especially doing standalone films, because I feel like the focus is often not given to them outside of a handful of classics and, you know, Miyazaki's films. Yeah. You know, you get your Ghost in the Shell, your Akira, and then your Studio Ghibli. And and I hate to say, and, and I hate to say it, but I feel like the I, I mean, I love Miyazaki films, too. You're a lot, I love a lot of Studio Ghibli films in general, but. I feel like the awareness of those films is because of big time Disney animation people who worked to get those films, you know, put out here, that that's the main reason that anybody in America knows about those movies. Well, I think, well, the crux to me came when they did the official dub of Princess Mononoke, which was localized by Neil Gaiman, and you had big actors voicing the roles i think it was even nominated for an oscar that year i can't remember that i do remember jillian anderson was the voice of a giant wolf she was and but that brought i would say that is what brought miyazaki a lot of mainstream prominence a lot of kids i remember like talking about getting my neighbor totoro when they were were a child because it was that giant 20th century fox clamshell and I remember had not knowing what they were talking about. So, I mean, the films were there. But even but, then, a lot of those dubs were done at this at similar times, like the the Fanning sisters, Dakota and Elle Fanning were the sisters in My Neighbor Totoro's dub, which is right which, in, in the new which, Disney dub, wasn't yeah, it? It was it was a newer Disney dub. I, but for the record, that's 
my kids have seen that. My kids love Totoro, but they love Totoro because oh, we've shown Totoro's them Totoro. Great. And by the way, I think that having the Fanning sisters play sisters worked supremely well for that movie. But that's not the movie we're talking about today. Today, <laughs> no, it's it's not. We we are oh. talking about Your Name, the 2016 animated romantic fantasy film by Makoto Shinkai about two characters inextricably tied together in ways that you might not expect. Yeah. And I, I've, I've kind of hinted at this all month long. They're like, this is, this is definitely one of my favorite anime films. Makoto Shingai is, is, I would say probably my favorite anime director, bar none. I think he makes some of the most beautiful movies visually that, and consistently, no matter what budget that, that in the history of anime, I mean, I have a, I'm holding a book right here. Uh, <laughs> called uh, Sky Longing for Memories, the art of Makoto Shinkai that was gifted to me by my friend Brandon. And I, I just, he makes the kind of anime that I, I really want to see. And I wanted to kind of book in it because a movie like The Girl Who Lived Through Time kind of opened my eyes to the, that these kind of films were actually being made. And your name kind of was the one that was like, this is what I want to see all the time is the, these kind of movies. And I, I just I think he also does some of the most stunning background and like everyday object animation in the business. There is one scene in particular that we will get into that I noticed specifically in the uh, <laughs> the the high school but let's get into a little bit of the the background and history of this movie as we yeah, start we're talking keep about it. it tight this week. Yeah. So so the idea for the film came to to Makoto Shinkai, the writer and director of the movie, after a visit to Yuriage Natori in Miyagi Prefecture following the Great East Japan earthquake, the 2011 quake that was the most powerful ever recorded in Japan and were responsible for the Fukushima nuclear disaster. Remember that was not that long ago that was 2011 which i cannot believe yeah. that that 10 it, years ago yeah I, one i can't believe that it was already 10 years ago and that it has only been 10 years ago uh yeah shinkai was struck by the devastation haunted by the thought of that could have been my town and his goal became to craft a film that would ultimately place the audience in the position of the people of yuriyage and that that you can definitely see that in in the way he does this this movie and I don't think that the I like the fact that it, it's not an overt connection to Fukushima. It's but it's that same that the the comet disaster is that same resonance, that same idea of this this one area being devastated. Yes. Uh, again, spoiler um, warning if you haven't watched the movie with us. <laughs> right. So Shinkai sent a proposal to Toho, uh, who's a much bigger company that he I don't know if he's worked with Toho specifically before. I'm looking at my my Blu-rays and. Um, it's most of the same people that put out the the American ones. But he basically pitched them. Uh, one underwent several names, uh, such as If I Knew I Was a Dream, It Was a Dream, and You Are Half of This World before finally setting down, selling down on the pitch that became Your Name. And Toho accepted and gave him an extremely modest budget. And about that, one of the film's producer, producers, uh, Genki Kawamura, explained because the garden of words which was shinkai's uh, prior film in 2013 it took only 150 million yen which is about 1.3 million dollars us 
we thought no matter how hard we tried, your name could probably only do maybe 10 times that amount. So the production, the promotion budgets were kept really low, smaller than the average Toho release. Now, that sounds like an extremely low number across the board, specifically how Garden of Words did basically $1.3 million. But for perspective, Garden of Words was a small budgeted short film that's only about 45 minutes long. And its box office numbers were considered very strong as a result compared to its budget. So it gave Shinkai a little bit of wiggle room and, you know, obviously a little leg up to pitch this to Toho. And it also informs, oh, and I think what uh, people who have problems with this film, it informs a lot of the narrative shortcuts that the film does take with its, with its overage of use of um, montage and music video like moments. It's mostly because they didn't ha- they literally didn't have the money to finish it. Which honestly, the the music video moments are the things that took me out of the movie the most. Um, and I and I and I do understand that. We'll we'll get into that as we talk about the movie. There 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 are times where this movie is absolutely gorgeous and wonderful, and there are times that this movie feels like a TV show intro. And uh, we'll, we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get into that. I, I I know I know exactly what parts you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so your name was released to a wide audience in Japan on August third of 2016 and became a smash hit, staying at number one for nine consecutive weeks. At the time, it became the second highest grossing movie of all time in Japan. Of all time. Let's just focus on that because we've watched a lot of anime. And yeah. This is not just highest grossing anime movie. This is highest grossing movie, movie of all time. Very important distinction. It made up of made up 10% of the total Japanese box office revenue in the year 2016 and was the first anime film not directed by Hayao Miyazaki to gross over $100 million. It's success That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> completely wild. Its success didn't end in Japan going on to earn a little more than the equivalent of $380 million worldwide and was briefly the highest grossing anime of all time. Well, anime film of all time before uh, Spirited Away edged it back up <laughs> and then Demon Slayer dethroned everything. Uh, critic- <laughs> and that's recent. We, we Demon- should do that sometime because I it's one that it, like, I just it completely missed me. And then I just have watched this show and its subsequent movie just become this monstrous hit. Yeah, Demon Slayer just came out a couple of weeks ago, didn't it? The film? Yeah. Uh, it, it was it was this year, but I remember I, or, 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 I want to say like earlier this year, though, I want to say a couple months ago, maybe. I don't I, think, I don't I don't know, actually. I'm going to look it up while we're while we're while we're talking about it, because I think, I think there was two movies. I think one that, that did it like in 2019 and then one came out recently. I don't know. OK, there was a Demon Slayer movie in 2019 and there was another Demon Slayer movie in 2020. OK, okay that OK, that's the case. All right. But so but that that's 2020. But I think the the it came out here in 2021. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> um, critically, the film has gotten a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, of being called by the Japanese Times a blend of gorgeous realistic detail and emotionally grounded fantasy. However, not one, of the, one to rest on its laurels or be praised for accolades, Shinkai himself is more critical of the film. There are things we could not do. Masashi Ando, director of animation, wanted to keep working on but had to stop because of the lack of the money. For me, it's incomplete unbalanced the plot is fine but the film is not all perfect two years was not enough time 
the film's reputation. <laughs> well, yeah. he's just like, yeah, it's fine. Like this movie is like made more money than any other anime film of all time. It's gotten almost perfect scores across the board. And he's just like, yeah, it's a thing that exists. <laughs> well, look, we the our movie last week, Redline, took six years to make. So just oh. <laughs> just remember that when we talk about that. The, the film's reputation, though, cannot be dimmed by the creator, and your name is currently being developed in the U.S. as a live-action remake by Lee Isaac Chung, who was behind Minari, the recent uh, Korean-based Oscar winner, or Oscar nominee, I guess Oscar winner and Oscar nominee. And uh, mm-hmm. the draft itself is being written by Emily V. Gordon, who is a known comedian uh, in, in different circles. You may know her as being behind part of the nerdist background and, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, the uh, Dan Harmon podcast um, Harmon town, but she is also uh, the writer co-writer of the movie, the big sick that she wrote with her husband, Camille Nanjiani. What wasn't that also nominated for an Oscar? I feel it was like... nominated for best uh, screenplay. I can't remember if it's original or adapted screenplay. I'm probably original because I don't think they had written it before, but it was nominated. It did not win. I, yeah, I knew it didn't win. Um, yeah, it was best original screenplay. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing is, I, I feel like if you if you bring it into live action, you take away really what makes the animated film special because it's a blend of not just the story and the themes, but also the animation. Like it's a perfect storm of all these things. And I just, I don't think that a live action film is going to capture the spirit of, of your name. And the the current plot they're going with is, I think uh, it's about a young native American woman living in a rural area and a young man from Chicago who discovered they are magically and intermittently swapping bodies, which it, it, that's that makes sense. That's probably a route to go, but and I also think that while I don't really need a remake, if it's going to happen, both of these creators are more than well suited. Uh, Chung is a phenomenal director, and I think Emily B. Gordon can can balance that drama and and comedy as the Big Sick kind of proved. Yeah, I mean the Big Sick was a fantastic movie, so we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. But, but let's see if that actually Reached gets by J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah, we'll, let's let's see. Let's see if that movie actually gets made. And in the meantime, let's talk about this movie, because we need to go through a little bit of the plot. And the thing about this movie is that there is simultaneously a lot of story and not a lot of story. Uh, I, I don't know if you agree with that, Miles, but it, it's it seems very simple to kind of bullet point. But most of the 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 movie itself to me, as and this is the first time I had ever seen it, was was in the characterization and in the way that the characters interacted with each other, not necessarily the movie or the 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 plot itself. Well, and, and that kind of thing is the the plot in a movie like this is less important than the 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 power of the characters and their ability to carry the themes that the plot is trying to deliver. And so, yeah, I mean, the plot itself is it's a fairy tale. And and what I think is interesting about that, this movie to me is like a simple song, like a good, simple song may not be overly complicated. It may not have the most like amazing lyrics, but if it's if it's constructed the right way, it can still speak to millions of people. The Beatles got yeah. that right. Sure. You know, and so it may not be a 20 minute prog rock song by Rush. 
but it could be as simple as I want to hold your hand. And well, well, both of those sounds are great. That kind of thing, that kind of simplicity tends to stand the test of time to me. Yeah. So so let's dive into a little bit of the story. So we open up with with one of our two main characters, Mitsuha Miyamizu, who is a high school student living in the remote rural little backwoods town of Itamori. Uh, and she is not particularly satisfied with her life in this tiny little town. Her her dad is the mayor and will call her out about stuff in the middle of, of the town square. She that was great. She is being raised by she lives in the the uh, Miyamizu shrine at, by being try you know, being taught by her grandmother how to to be the shrine maidens along with her little sister. And she doesn't really she's a little embarrassed by that. And she she doesn't like her little tiny town and the and the fact that she has to to perform in these ritual these these Shinto rituals in the shrine making something that is the first time I've ever heard of this Kuchikamizake, which is part of a ceremony where they, they ritualistically they make sake with their mouth. They, they chew up rice, mix the rice with their, their saliva and spit it into a sake jar and let that ferment. And that is a, a, a ritualistic sake. I believe they call it what the the first ever sake. Some uh, it was some some kind of like the original sake. They they called it something. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it was it was I think it was the earliest. I, I think they call it the earliest uh, sake. It, and it is it, it is one of the earliest forms of Japanese alcohol it drinks. I looked this up a little bit. Uh, after seven years of fermentation, it can achieve up to seventy six percent APV. Wow. How many years? Seven. Wow. Well, when it sat there for three years, that's a <laughs> well, we'll get so, to that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Taki got co- co- quite a shot. <laughs> so so Mitsuha is is frustrated with her town. And and shortly before the arrival of of a comet, that is, is the first time the comet has been seen around Earth in twelve hundred some odd years. She calls out to the heavens in frustration. In my next life, I want to be a, a cute, uh, a cute Tokyo boy or something like that, which was which was very funny. A handsome, I think a handsome Tokyo boy is what she said. Yeah, and uh, and and that introduces us to uh, Taki Taki Tachibana, who was our our other lead. He is a a city boy. He is a eleventh grader in uh, Tokyo schools. Uh, he works at an Italian restaurant that seems to only serve tiny pizzas. Uh, he is an architecture student. He, uh, he he's pretty, pretty, pretty much that. Uh, and unbeknownst to him, uh, because of that wish, he one day wakes up in Mitsuha's body and believes that he is dreaming. And that is where our movie starts. Yeah, and I I like that the movie kind of just starts. I like that we don't have to have a whole lot of lead up. I I really appreciate the fact the film kind of goes forward and through context and through how they interact with their day, we get to know the main characters as opposed to, you know, here's five minutes of of getting to know Taki in his daily routine. Here's five minutes of getting to know Mitsuha in her daily routine. Like the movie basically 
it starts with a kind of a, a title sequence that's I mean, more it's, or less it's, a little music video. It starts with an anime intro sequence, which is not something you see yeah. often in movies. I guess we saw one in last week's Redline too, but it it literally feels mm-hmm. like a TV show theme song. And 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 not and not in a bad way in like an anime way, but like you but but I will also say that is intercut with these amazing images of the characters, the two characters that we see at different like we see like 12 different looks across each of them and, and like different ages and different haircuts. And, and you really get mm-hmm. the idea that something related to time is about to be happening here. And it's very, very interesting. And, and honestly, there are moments in it that upon reflection on seeing the end of the movie work really, really well for, for the sake of right. the beginning of the movie. Um, it is, however, a little, out of sorts and it, it it does feature a pretty a pretty bopping little song by uh what is it the uh the rad wimps i think is the name of the yeah, band that does uh, all the music. of the music in this even even when like there's like a like a, a theme kind of uh medley going on i think all of the music in this film is excellent like i i the, the little uh piano flourishes throughout the film and just some of the the compositions just compare when they're uh Paired with those gorgeous landscapes of the prefecture, they just oh, it just hits. Well, so I have to say, there one of the other things that I really enjoyed about this, and I know that I'm a I'm a big you know hand drawn animation person. There is a lot of computer animation in this movie, but it works very very well. Specifically, that of these big sweeping moves across landscapes, especially through the city, through Tokyo, through 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 itamori and and focusing on the comet itself as it courses across the sky it's just beautiful to to see that it's bright it's colorful and i I feel like this is an argument for the use of computer computers as a tool and not as an identity because just by your basic looking at this it looks like a, a just an excellent high budget hand-drawn animation film for the most part and you know yes they they use a lot of computers a lot of stuff is drawn digitally it's still hand-drawn but a lot of the stuff is done digitally or um and there's a lot of photography uh infused as well i mean so i mean we we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the girl through time and and hasada's film and all the compliments i have for that film I would say are are doubled with this one. I think all of the the sets and the backgrounds and the everyday life stuff is so meticulously detailed stuff that like I didn't even get the first time I saw it. Like in Taki's room, they they frame him a specific way so that you can see the architecture poster above his head, <laughs> and so that when he draws. You you automatically have that 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 cue that oh this must be what he's interested in doing. So, so this is one of the things that I found very funny about this, and I watched this with my wife Rebecca, who uh, was was very <laughs> who who picked on it a little more than I did. Uh, she literally pointed out the poster when when it popped up in the background of Taki's room, and just said, 
architecture. <laughs> and then it was scenes later that he is drawing this very detailed image of bridges and buildings and things of, of, of Itamori uh, based on these memories. And it was just very funny that, that, that was what <laughs> it was like, well, I guess he is an architecture student. It wasn't said. They never said that he was an architecture student. It's just that little hint and the clues beyond it that were just, but the way that it happened was just funny to me. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> anyway. So, so I, I wanted to talk, because I talked about this a little bit last week. I typically, and this is why I think I'm, I'm so surprised I love this movie so much, is I hate body swap stories. Almost all the time in, in genre television from growing up, whether it was a cartoon or Buffy, Angel, Supernatural, uh, Wednesday 13, all, all that stuff, or Warehouse 13. Um, Wednesday 13 is a band. <laughs> I, I have never liked them. I, I think they're, they're lazy, they produce artificial drama, and, and this, this film, I was expected to kind of feel the same way. As much as I love Shinkai, and, you know, I, I walked out of that film being like, oh, I should have known better. I did not think that this film would be satisfying to me because I, I typically dislike body swap stories. And for the first time almost ever, I just I fell in love with a body swap story. <laughs> I, I will say I'm not a huge fan of body swap stories either, but I, I will say that this movie does some things that I did not expect. Um, I'm trying to think about how to phrase this, uh, in particular, because we have a teenage boy and a teenage girl swapping bodies, um, and, and they act accordingly. The, this, there is maybe one of the most realistic things that I could think would happen if a teenage boy found himself in a teenage girl's body. <laughs> yes. And that's all I'm going to say. Uh, and that is a repeated joke throughout the movie that continues to be funny throughout the movie. Um, yeah, but uh, but there, there and is it, and, it, and it happens. I mean, the, the same thing happens to Mitsuha as well. But she's she's more like, oh, no, I have to pee. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> and, and those little moments, because, I mean, they're teenagers and I, I appreciate the Shinkai writes them as such because they're they're teenagers they're they're going to be a little curious they're going to be a little really wigged out about about the situation but they're also i i feel like they both act pretty i don't know what the word i'm looking for is but uh, mitsuo especially like she adapts pretty quickly she's like oh i'm gonna go to school and yeah. i'm gonna spend money that she because in the beginning of the movie they think it's a dream so she's at this cafe with uh, Taki's friends and, you know, is looking at the menu being like, oh, man, I could eat for a month off of what this stuff costs it, at back home because like $18 for a pancake or something. But she's like, oh, well, this is a dream. So I'm, I'm going to have gonna all spend the it. food. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so this is where I want to talk about my principal issues with the movie. And if I had to put myself... Okay. I had to put myself in Shinkai's shoes, the director Shinkai's shoes. I would say there are a number of plot holes that I can see in this movie that end up being resolved later. Notably, one of the biggest plot holes that I found, and it, it and honestly, it, it came to a head when I literally said out loud 
watching the movie. Why don't why doesn't he just call her on the phone? Because they clearly have each other's numbers. And then he tries to do so and the call does not connect. And then we find out that the call that no calls or text messages between these two have ever connected. And it's like, oh, you could have shown me that 30 minutes ago and that wouldn't have been an issue. The, I, 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 I appreciate but the fact that they do it at all. It, I thought was great because the, doing it when they did it set up for the dramatic reveal of what happens yes. to Mitsuha. And, and, that's, and that's the thing that I will also forgive is that that as we get more and more into this and the, the more that, that we that we get the the mystical aspect of this and the more that it becomes this isn't just a simple body swap. This is literally like a dreaming body swap when they are doing this it is almost to them like they are dreaming even though for a period of time right there when they're back and forth and back and forth and leaving each other notes and writing on each other's bodies messages about how angry they are with each other and setting up dates and all this other stuff that that it it that even then there's this sort of mystical dream like aspect that they don't remember everything. Like you could have a super vivid dream and it could seem so real while you're having it and you wake up and you remember a lot of the extremely notable parts of that dream, but there's a lot of parts of it that you just don't remember. Like the simple fact that when Taki is in Mitsuha's body and goes to school, he never had to write a date on anything. And that's one of those things where it bothered me until it didn't until they got to they really leaned into to the mystical aspect of things. And we're just going to go ahead and spoil the big part of this movie because it is where the big turn happens right in the middle. And we we learned that, yes, Taki and Mitsuha are swapping bodies. They're doing it multiple times a week and sleep is the trigger. They'll each go to sleep and wake up in each other's bodies and go back to sleep and wake up at their own bodies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you see you see how how uh, Taki walks differently when Mitsu's Mitsu has in Taki's body and speaks a little you know a little more softly or, or how uh, Taki does not know how to do Mitsu's hair so it's always a mess when he is in her body but he is also much more bold and 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 uh, it uh, doesn't understand that he's wearing a skirt. Yeah. <laughs> and, a, and a troublemaker. And that, that moment when when he is in, in her body in, in an art class and overhears people talking about Mitsuha and he he finishes painting this beautifully detailed architectural picture and just kicks the desk over. And everybody's like, <gasps> it, it's a, it's a I, I love it. It's a wonderful moment. But but we but we learn as part of this and especially because Mitsuha keeps mentioning you know, oh, I have this festival that I have to be a part of. And 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 it's 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 I should also mention that, that Taki has has seen some of Mitsuha's uh family life and seen some of the shrine and 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 was alongside her grandmother as her grandmother took uh Mitsuha's little sister and who she presumed was Mitsuha to to the family shrine in this hidden location. And and, and this all leads up to this festival and this comet that's the first time that the comet has has appeared over earth in 1200 years and all of a sudden the the body swapping stops and taki starts forgetting 
things about what happened. And he knows that something happened. He knows that there was somebody that he was supposed to meet and somebody that he was supposed to talk to and somebody that he was supposed to, to, to swap bodies with, but he can't remember her name and he can't remember where she's from. And he can't remember all these things. And he goes on this, this sort of Tokyo backcountry roundup with, with, uh, with one of his friends and this, this girl that he has had a bit of a crush on, uh, Miss Okudera, who is a, a a college student and he's a high school student that they work together in the Italian restaurant. And as Mito has been in his body, they, he, she's arranged all these dates with her and it's this whole thing. But uh, but but he goes on this this journey with them to try to find it. And they ultimately discovered that the town that Mito is from was destroyed three years ago by the impact of a piece of the comet breaking off and landing on it. And that's really where the 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 crux of the the drama of the movie starts. It becomes a a huge thing as Taki struggles to remember things as he gets farther and farther away from the events, but still wants to help and still wants to change and begging the universe to to be able to change things. Uh, and and journeying and luckily he was in the past he was in this three years ago time frame when Mitsuha's grandmother showed her slash him the shrine as he struggles to search for it and and comes across her Kuchikamizake and decides that this may be because they they make a big point of how the the that that sake contains a part of her in it because it was made with her and by her. And suddenly we are back in Mitsuha's body with the potential to change time. Yeah, it's I, I, I felt that the adventure aspect of this was was really well done. I think the and especially knowing that Shinkai has these problems with the film, I think that most criticisms that I ha- would have about this movie, which which are few, are are in the fact that like there is some development with the characters I would have liked to see. I would have liked to see them really resonate the the romantic feelings that they they develop for one another. Like you can pick it up, but I, I, I mean, honestly, it happens I, like that. I, I like it's very subtle though, and this is this is something that that. You know, again, it is when, when Mitsuha is in Taki's body, he is trying to set her up on dates with with Miss Okudera. But also the dates with Miss Okudera are really her trying to go to fancy places in Tokyo and live the Tokyo life. Not necessarily because obviously she doesn't have any re, uh, any attraction to to, to Miss Okudera. Well, no, she does. Remember, she she talks about it. She says, I had feelings for him. But he he had some he had feelings for somebody else. I'm not saying Okudura doesn't have feelings for for Taki. Taki. I'm saying Ta- I'm saying Mitsuha didn't have feelings for Okudura. Oh right. So uh, but um, but but then but then the, the there's the other side of of like there. So you got Mitsuha's friends uh, Teshi and Sayaka, who. <laughs> <laughs> that are are just kind of interesting in that you know 
Saika wants to to get out of the town too, but Teshi, who is the son of this like construction company, kind of realizes that he's basically even if he wants to get out, he's kind of just stuck with going into the company and you know staying in this tiny town with everybody and not really wanting his friends to leave, but not really gonna fight them if they do and that sort of thing. And uh, he's kind of technically minded and and this is where. You know, we talk about uh, the the backgrounds of these of these shots and uh, and how detailed mm-hmm. they are. There is a scene where Teshi is talking to Sayaka and they are in this uh, club room because Japanese high school stories always feature clubs. Uh, and and whether it's, you know, if you played a persona game, you joined a club. It happens. Uh, but this right. particular club is the radio club and it is got this big like radio room. But in the background of this, there is a Sony PlayStation 1, there is a Sega Saturn, there's a Nintendo GameCube, there's a PlayStation controller, there's a Nintendo 64 controller, there's a Super Famicom controller, there's a Famicom off to the side, there are references to the PC Engine software. There's so many like nerdy video game references just in that little scene that are not at all pointed out i just i saw it and i paused the screen and i went up to the screen and i pointed all these things and rebecca rolled her eyes and made me start the movie again (laughs) no i i I love i love the amount of detail i mean even there's that one scene towards the beginning where uh mitsuwa is talking to her friends and there's a game of soccer in the background and it's not like this thing that's like you know kind of a lot of times in in animation they'll be uh poorly detailed and almost like stick figures in the background and it's like a full on everyone's moving soccer game happening in the background while I mean, and, and half of it's obscu- obscured by Mitsuha. But I mean, just the amount of detail that went into all these little backgrounds. And, you know, I watched this with with Krista and and she pointed out things that that wowed her because, again, because Shinkai and people like Hasada focus so heavily on the details of 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 unremarkable everyday objects that's what stands out the most for her it was uh someone drinking a bottle of water and how the bottle of water looked and how it how like it crinkled yeah. uh when someone touched it and and all this detail that went into just the bottle of water that someone was holding something that you know you wouldn't think twice about now because it it's got this hyper realism added to this fairy tale you're you're focusing in on on things that would generally be unimportant in almost any other movie yeah uh, and again i i'm skipping through a large portion of this movie um because i i think that when it comes down to it the hows of what happens are not as important as the whys of what happens um, no, it's it's a fairy tale. It does it doesn't matter. Like you you just need a fairy tale reasoning, and and, and we get one. And and yes, and like this, you it, just have to say it's magic. And and this is where I think one of the things that I didn't think was going to Im- impact me as much as it did happen. So we we talked about how how Taki has finally after after going through this experience in the shrine gone back into Mitsuo's body, and is trying to save the day is trying to save the 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 town from being well can't save the town from being destroyed by the comet 
but can save the people from being killed in the explosion. And that is the goal. Um, this is where I also want to point out that I think it's very interesting. And I watched the dub version of this movie. Um, I'm assuming the sub does something very similar where they have voice actors that are capable of changing their voice inflections based on whether it is Taki and Taki's body, Mitsu and Taki's body, Mitsu and Mitsuo's body or Taki and Mitsuo's body. <laughs> um, uh, and that is uh, like like when in 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 Taki, for example, Taki is voiced by my Michael Sinter Nicholas, who uh, isn't a voice actor. Dean Venture <laughs> I might know as Dean Venture, but I know better as Leonardo from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He was the voice of Leonardo back in the the late 80s, early 90s Ninja Turtles show. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. 2003 series. Was he the 2003 series? 2003 series. No, mm-hmm. you're kidding me. I'm not. I promise you, it's 2003. He's he's he he um also was I think in Final Fantasy 13, I believe, as Orphan. I thought he was, but both 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 the voice actors that played uh, Mitsuha and and Taki have done a lot of prominent voice acting. Yes. Uh, Mitsuo's voice actress, uh, who is, uh, uh, in, in American at least, or in the English language is Stephanie Shea, who was, uh, she was in fully Cooley as Mamimi. She was in, uh, 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 she's sailor moon in the recent sailor moon dubs. Yeah. Um, she's been sailor moon since I think 2015. Like, both of these actors are 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 getting and doing work, but also it speaks to the level of production as far as the the localization cast. Like like you were saying that you know they 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 focus on inflections. They do a lot of things that they're not phoning in this performance, and it's abundantly clear. The outside of you know some of the you know story breathing moments that that Shinkai wanted to uh, to add in. My only real problem, and it's something that a lot of anime does, and I was kind of surprised that Shinkai did this. It's one of my least favorite comedic interruptions in any anime. Uh, And a lot of romance anime does this, and it it gets under my skin. And it's usually a litmus test if I'm going to put up with it for long or not. Uh, There's a moment. After Taki drinks the sake and he's <laughs> I'm sorry, I know that tried to, to I know that rhymes, but I found that funny for some reason. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> they're they're both at the base or, or at the top of this uh crater, basically. It's the top of this valley, but it was made from a crater thousands of years ago. And they can hear each other's echo, but they can't see each other because they're in their own times. But as the sun is rising or setting i think it's as as as, it's setting i think it's setting they they pass the same focal moment and they feel each other and they turn around and they can see each other for just a brief moment and the first thing that uh she says is you pervert and goes off on this typical like comedic <laughs> anime thing that honestly was the only moment in the film that really took me out of it 
I see. I, I agree with her, though. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying she's wrong. It's just there's a time and a place. <laughs> I get it. I get it. So, and so, so, I, it's, I understand. It's, that is the thing that's very common in anime. I, th- I thought that moment worked very, very humorously, but uh, but I, I get it. I understand that that could take you out because uh, it is kind of they've been searching for each other for for seemingly forever. And and this is also when we right. this is when the two of them find out that there's a th- the three year gap between their two stories and what's going on. And. And when th- this is where I I'm simultaneously frustrated by this movie and interested in this movie and that they decide that because they still struggle to remember each other's names at this point this is the the whole the whole thing is that these are like dreams and that they are so vivid in some ways and so distant and forgettable in other ways that they're going to write their names on each other's hands and as this happens he writes presumably his name on her hand and he and she starts to write her name on his gets a single line in before she poof disappears it's so well done it's It's really well well done. done it's really well done and as she looks at her hand it is not his name but it is the 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 words i love you which is simultaneously extremely cheesy but also, I feel it. I get it. I get it. It's, it's you know, I I felt it too. I was frustrated because I was like, you know, that's sweet and all, but if 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 y'all are worried about remembering your names, um, I also thought maybe he wrote his name down, and the circumstances changed when she went back. Could be. I don't know. Like that's a that's like a- like the the words were changed in her hand. It could also be that. I mean, I also believes that he meant what he said and so well but so so let me let me also couch it like this because this is where we spend the next 35 minutes 40 minutes saving the day yes i'm just gonna say it's, mm-hmm. it's saving the day i'm not gonna say how i think that going through that experience is interesting and compelling and especially when it comes to a lot of mitsuo's backstory with with certain characters in that town works very well but we are then flashed back to not present day, but five years later. So this is now yeah. five years after this for Taki. It is eight years after this for Mitsuo. In this alternate timeline where the day is saved. And and I'm simultaneously frustrated, but also compelled by the two the, the because we see this mostly from Taki's perspective he is going around Tokyo trying to find jobs and he keeps seeing this person out of the corner of his eye and looking and hanging for a moment and walking away and looking and hanging for a moment and walking away and do want to say something and walking away and every time they see each other they have this and there's this one point where they're both on different subway platforms and they see each other and they look and they're just <gasps> shocked yeah and they go looking for each other and then they find each other on this staircase and they just walk past each other and it's like come on it's just just killing, killing me and then of course they turn around and they have this moment but it's just yeah i i i would have i would have i would have 
cut out the walk past each other since they had just done that uh the night before yeah and and that that's the scene that that frustrated chris to no end when, <laughs> I, when I there's believe a, it. A, a beautiful there's a beautiful snowy night they're both walking across this bridge and, and she's got an umbrella and she's kind of looking down and he's not really paying that much attention and they both kind of pause at different times and he turns back but she's keeping walking then she turns back and he's walking and I agree uh, with Krista. It's a frustrating it's scene because because you want you because you've spent the last like four and a half hours. It's not really four and a half hours, uh, like trying to get these two people together in the same place, and it just hasn't happened. It hasn't happened, and then finally it happens, and they just they look at each other, huh, and they walk away, and it it it's I I, I love that it's frustrating because it. It makes you anxious because, well, especially because I've seen Shinkai's other movies. They don't always, actually, they more often than not, uh, they don't end super happily a lot. So <laughs> I was like, this, they're, they're going to, I remember the first time I saw this, I thought they're just going to walk off and never see each other again. And this is going to go from a delightful film to a extremely depressing movie. <laughs> and I, I want to see, in the scene at the stairwell where they, they finally kind of confront one another. I would have skipped the walking past each other because we'd just done that. Yes. And I do like that they end with both of them asking the person's name. Because we see that the connection is there. We see that that no matter what they they remember, the the trigger of seeing one another or for him seeing the, uh her her um red like um it's not a ribbon, but it's. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a. Uh, it, it's a. Because uh, the, the part of the the Miyamizu clan thing is is weaving, and she has woven this. this yeah, thing. it's it's a woven band. That that talking that, you know, that, that we we also find out that that Mitsu has gone to visit Taki and finds him in the past and gives that to him and tells her his name but it's three years before any of this happens. So there's, there's this other side of that, but, and that's the, the band in her hair that he keeps seeing and, and, and all of this, uh, all of this stuff. But anyway, continue. Well, yeah. So I, I was plenty satisfied with them. Actually just all you need is the, the moment of recognition. I, I didn't necessarily need them to run towards each other and and have your your standard kind of rom-com ending. I thought the the recognition was the punctuation point the film needed. Yes, and it works like it works really well. It it is from an artistic standpoint, from a a a storytelling standpoint it's like that moment that you just like the final lines of the movie are the two of them asking each other what's your name it's beautiful it works it's fantastic um i just have i need more (laughs) oh i mean i don't disagree however we 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 need to also talk about the kind of my, the, not a minor, the hidden MVP of the movie. And that's Yotsua, Mitsua's younger sister. <laughs> because she is so funny, but she also, ha- she like, 
you never forget that she's nine years old. But the way that she talks to her sister and the way that she is one of those kind of wiser bond her years in a lot of ways. Uh, my favorite scene is I can't remember what she did, but Mitsua did. And then you just hear you guys are going jackass. <laughs> and it coming out of this nine year old is is so insanely funny to me. I, I thought she was such a great character and was a, a natural point of levity without getting too comedic. There is one scene that I, I feel a little I feel a little guilty about laughing as much as I did as. Uh, so we have seen Taki in Mitsuha's body when when he wakes up in her body and what he does. Um, she, he, he, he touches his, his boobs. Yes. And comments on how real they feel and a number of things. And it's because he thinks he's dreaming. Yeah, because he thinks he's dreaming. Uh, and when that happens, <laughs> the sister walks in on on him doing that, just seeing wh- who she presumes is her sister doing that sister. And, and making funny comments on it. And it's very funny. And, and that happens it's- a number of times throughout the movie whenever Taki wakes up in Mitsuo's body. But in the moment when. I don't know how to feel about this scene. I laughed at it, but I feel guilty about laughing at it. It is in the moment after Taki has finally gotten back into Mitsuo's body. They've swapped bodies again for him to try to to save her life from the comet. And, <laughs> and he is sobbing with tears of joy as he has realized he has the chance to do something. And then the door opens and it's the sister and it flashes to <laughs> Taki and Mitsuha doing it again, but with tears streaming down the face. It's it's so weird, but it's it's, so it's very subversively funny. I don't know. It, I feel bad for laughing at it. I don't know if I'm supposed to laugh at it. I mean, I know I'm supposed to laugh at it, but I don't know if I feel good about laughing I, at it. I, I, I thought uh, Yotsuwa was the right injection of comedy. In a, in, a, in a film that does have humor, but I, I like that it doesn't focus so much on the comedy of errors that involve people switching bodies. I, I think that both Taki and Mitsua are extremely well-written characters, and I, I that's what I like is I like their journey. Yeah. I think they're they're both characters that feel very realistic. They feel like teenagers, and that is something that is extremely important because. In a lot of high school anime, the teenagers are written as uh, poor tropes, and that's usually across the board. And that's why when I find movies that do it well, like The Girl Left Through Time or like an anime series like uh, Toradora or Just Because, it's it's so it's so much better because it's, it's very something you find this. And that, that that is why I had the reaction I did. When Mitsua, you know, has her little outburst at him uh, on the on the crater top is because purely because it mirrors what a lot of other anime shows do pretty yeah. consistently. Mm. And 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 that's the problem. Her calling him out is not the problem for me. It's just how how it's the, movie, the time uh, and place that, it, that she did it that. Yeah. Uh, but. I, I love that they yeah, they start leaving notes for one another. They're 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 very like they said, they set ground rules. And 
yes, it's very subtle in in how they start developing feelings for one another. But I think Shinkai was kind of, you know, wish he had about five or ten more minutes where he could actually kind of really do some stuff to make that transition a little smoother and a little more emotional. And I, I I also love that the grandmother realizes that w- when her grandchild is not herself and she said, she says, you know, you're in a dream or, you know, oh, you're not Mitsuo today. Like she she recognizes and basically says almost the exact same thing that happened in uh, the girl through time that. This happened to her before, too. Well, it apparently happened to a lot of Miyamizus in the past. And that's something that we learn, especially because we learn a, a number of things about a particular fire that destroyed the, the history of the town, that the only thing that survived was the temple and the practices. But they don't know why they do the practices, just that they do the practices, that which I thought was very interesting. And they kept commenting on the the 1200 years since the the comet last came by earth and it is notable that the entire town of itamori looks like it's built on a crater (laughs) and the shrine looks like it's built on a crater that oh maybe this is going to lead to another crater and uh that that this might be all part of the the mizu clan miyamizu clan's uh you know history as far as how this all happens it's 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 very interesting and very and i have to say this movie and i'm gonna i'm just gonna i'm gonna spoil another movie because you know the 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 director created a movie called weathering with you in 2019 that i have not seen and miles you haven't seen it either i don't think no, I, I haven't. I, I own it, but I still haven't had the chance to watch it. Well, I, I know that this does not factor into any of the plot of that movie, but our main characters of Taki and Mitsuha cameo in in Weathering With You and uh, seem to have a little bit of a of a uh, of a happy ending is, is all I'll say there, which uh, I'm, I'm happy to to see. It, it is the only reason that I want to watch Weathering With You. <laughs> Oh, come on. The movie looks great. <laughs> uh, I again, like I said, Shinkai is one of or, or is my favorite uh, anime director. And the only reason I haven't seen it is mostly just because of time. That's I, I bought it as soon as it came out and just haven't had the chance to see it. I was happy that unlike your name and I made a big stink about this when it happened. Your name was not nominated for an Oscar. It I think is the reason why, not the only reason why, but it, it, I think it did inform why Weathering With You did get a nomination. Of course, it didn't win because, you know, I think the I think the only. No, I think the only one that's won is is Miyazaki in terms of of anime. I think you're right about I that. I don't think Mirai won. I know it was nominated, but I don't think it won. Yeah, it was just a nominee. I'm trying to remember what won um, in 2019. Uh, wasn't Spider Verse? Uh, it might have been Spider Verse. Um, let's see. Uh, 2019. Yeah, it was 
into the Spider-Verse. Oh, well, I, I'm sorry so whether that, with that, you, but that, Spider-Verse I, is a fantastic movie and it deserved the win. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing is like, I wasn't upset that Into the Spider-Verse won at all. Um, but I, I, I was just a little bummed that the prior year, and it would have lost to Coco 100%, but maybe instead of Ferdinand, uh, your name could have been nominated could have that nomination and i like I ferdinand it. it's a cute movie i i but don't I, I, I i'm i i get a little i get a little i know i know this stuff doesn't matter but i get a, a little uh bitter about how anime films are are not as respected there often is one almost every year if if studio ghibli releases something yeah. uh, outside I mean, of mirai and the thing about but, the thing about ferdinand is i just i don't even i can't even see the main character in that movie so i don't know it's a cow voiced by john cena i i can't see him i mean it's a it's a very cute movie it it really is it's just it's not your name and i i thought yeah i, I thought I awards the, for the, wrestling the way... fans would get my john cena reference but that's okay miles i feel like we need to wrap up on talking about your name no we're gonna talk about this movie forever Probably so. It is a movie. You're, 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 you are stuck here. <laughs> it is a movie no, that, um, that that honestly is. If I could say final thoughts on it, I, I yeah, I enjoyed it. I I liked watching it. I had problems with it. I didn't. I didn't absolutely adore it, but I didn't. You know. I but I liked it a lot. But as I but it, it's a movie that has stuck with me for a couple of days. Like I, I watched it just I watched it uh, about four days ago. And it's it's kind of been a movie that has been in my mind throughout that entire time. And that's something that that. I think kind of kind of ties into its specialness, that there is something about this Mm -hmm. movie that has kept me thinking about it. It's kept me kept itself on my mind that that another movie or other movies, you know, I watch and I don't necessarily think about much past walking out of the theater or turning off the TV, you know. Yeah, I mean that's that's one thing that that Shinkai does is I feel like he makes movies that resonate, and you may it may not be your favorite movie. I mean, I I would not doubt at all that you like Redline more than your name, but I I would probably argue that the emotional resonance in your name sticks with you a little bit longer. Absolutely, you know it, ling- totally. it lingers in a different way. Yes, one hundred percent, and. And and yeah, and this is definitely one of my favorite anime movies of all, all time. I, I absolutely adore this movie. I think it is a, a wonderful romance story. And. I think I, I, I think I like it better than The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, which is another one of my favorites. And what's what's funny is on the Blu-ray, it has because the, 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 the Girl Who Leapt Through Time didn't get a proper Blu-ray release until about 2017. It has a an ad for the girl who left through time's blue release. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was uh, pretty funny. And as as far as uh, Shinkai drew, I would highly, highly, highly recommend you trying to find his short film Voices of a Distant Star. Um, it is basically it's a it follows the lives of two childhood friends, a boy and a girl who gets separated once the girl is sent into space to fight a war against aliens. She basically joins the army and gets a mech. 
And oh, as she I've goes seen, deeper I've, in, I've seen this this uh, title before. I've seen this art before. Yeah, when when we were in college, it start it started making waves. I have the the DVD release, but as she goes deeper and deeper into space, the text the text that she sends take longer to reach Earth as it would, and so it follows both their lives as they text each other throughout the years. And it's one great hard sci-fi concept. Like once you get past the fact that you know, okay, aliens exist, mechs exist, cool. But the <laughs> the sending the text stuff uh, is is so well done, and it's a, a, just a phenomenal little short film. And I, I think you would like it a lot. Um, but as as far as far as your name, yeah, this is this is one of my all time favorites. If you haven't seen it, I I genuinely think you should. I think it is uh, a one of the best modern fairy tales that you could possibly uh, see. And it's just a very sweet, well-written romance. And that is that, gang. That is the end of anime for 2021. So from here, we need to talk about a number of things, namely not just happening. What's happening next week? What's happening next month? Because June is going to be a little different this year. Yeah, June June's going to be a little wild. I mean, we are going to have my standard birthday challenge as as we do. But there will be one week where we we take we take a pause on challenges and celebrate 10 years of the more you nerd podcast. I can't believe it. Oh, my gosh. We'll talk more about that in a week. But we have something that we're going to going to going to spice up a little bit of June because there there's yes, we're going to do an anniversary special. We're going to do something for Miles's birthday challenge. We have a couple of things that we want to do in the meantime. So let's let's talk Miles specifically about what's happening next week on the more you nerd. So next week. And we haven't named the theme for Jude quite yet. But next week will be the first in a series that we do on short TV shows based off hit movies. And next week, we are doing Ferris Bueller, the series. <laughs> you guys may not remember that Ferris Bueller had a... TV no one remembers this in the the early 1990s that lasted for about 13 episodes. We're not going to be covering all 13 episodes. We're going to be covering four episodes. And Miles, you wrote those down, so I didn't have to. Um, yes, it is <laughs> episode one, the pilot episode four. Without you, I'm nothing. Episode 11. Baby, you can't drive my car. And episode 13, a night in the life. Uh, this show has a very notable cast member in a young Jennifer Aniston as Jeannie Bueller. It is not it is not a sequel series to the Ferris Bueller movie. It treats the Ferris Bueller movie as if it was a movie version of the events that happened in the TV series, despite the fact that the movie came out many years before. I am oddly excited to see this because i i have heard about this i've also heard that it came out and 
was right up against a show on Fox called Parker Lewis Can't Lose, which is a show that I actually watched at the time and had no context for a Ferris Bueller show, let alone anything to do with Ferris Bueller in, at that point. Uh, so. No, I mean, we, I, I, I have heard about this show from hearsay uh, and I... This is one of those oddities that I am excited. This is the kind of theme that I'm excited to get into some weird shows. And Ferris Bueller is definitely one of them. Uh, we will be watching this on YouTube. Yes, the, it, this show is is not really available anywhere else. If you catch mm -mm. the meaning. So that is where we are going to watch it. So. Hopefully, at least until, I, until I they catch no, wind that we're we're going to do this and pull it all down. But, you know, right. I, I have no preconceived notions. I know the show you know, only lasted a season, didn't get good reviews. So I'm my expectations are sufficiently low. I think they're even lower than any of the syndicated September shows. Every like, one of the cast members for the movie was recast for the sake of the show, mostly because it happened years later. Like it was an 89 90 show versus uh Ferris Bueller, the movie, which I think was 86. Yes, it was 86. So yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. And that is what we're going to do next week on the more you nerd in the meantime if you would like to reach out to us talk to us about anime how you felt about your name red line uh weathering with not weathering with you we didn't watch that uh, the girl who left through time the girl at the time <laughs> any of the things that we talked about for anime this year and royal space and force. royal space force the wings of oniami so you can find us at the more you nerd on Twitter, Facebook.com slash the more you nerd. And you can email us the more you nerd at gmail.com. That's the more you nerd at gmail.com. And Miles, if they would like to to deck themselves out in some more you nerd fashione, where can they find that? You can get that at the more you nerd dot We have two amazing new designs. We have our 10th anniversary, the more you nerd Gundam, the DR three W as well as a extremely adorable and extremely fun arcade design for Godzilla versus the more you nerd, which reminds me throughout the month of June, Drew and I recognize the fact that our the more you nerd star mascot doesn't have a name. So what we want, you can you can tweet at us at uh, you can send us a message on Facebook. You can send us an uh, email. We want your suggestions for the name of our mascot. And at the end of the month, we will take uh, some of our favorite suggestions and create a poll so that everyone can vote on the official name of our the more you nerd nerdy star yes it could be starry it could be nerdo it could be star don't beat starro <laughs> starro lives i don't i, I don't want to get sued by dc <laughs> no i starro is out don't call it starro because we will get sued by <laughs> we'll get sued by dc and their parent company warner media at&t whatever it is now so don't do that <laughs> slash discovery <laughs> slash discovery whatever it's gonna be i don't know uh but in the meantime gang we're gonna end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd.
out. <laughs>